0: Well, Welcome, welcome. Uh, Again, I don't know how many of you that I don't know. I see a lot of familiar faces, uh, but I am the youth pastor here at Oakwood. Pastor Don, who is our lead pastor, uh, is golfing somewhere in South Carolina right now. Um, Does that make you guys a little bit sad? Makes me a little bit sad. Uh, I was praying this week, all week, that he'd get rain while he was golfing, so we'll have to check in with him when he gets back. Um, But I think that's a little bit of uh, my fault that we don't have heat this morning, so I just apologize for that right off the bat. Um, But we are excited that P.D. uh, and his wife, Julie, get a little bit of time in the sun to rest, Uh, very much well-deserved. But that means I get the opportunity to come uh, this morning and speak with you. So that's an awesome thing for me. Uh, Time will tell if that's an awesome thing for you, but we're going to explore that together this morning. Uh, We're going to be opening up to the book of James, uh, but before we do that, let's pray together as we uh, join in worship. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be here. Uh, We thank you for each and every one of the people that get to call Oakwood home. Uh, We thank you for the friends and family that surround us here on a Sunday morning. Uh, Father, we pray specifically for P.D. uh, as he spends time uh, just getting rest, that you would be with him fully. Uh, that you would allow him to be present with his wife and his family over this next week. Uh, And Father, hopefully that they might get some sun uh, as they do that together. Father, we just lift them up to you and we just ask that uh, as we open your word this morning that you would be glorified and you'd be honored in our time together. Father, it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, I am married. Uh, So this is a picture of me and my wife and uh, the joy of our world, which is our little dog named Moses. Um, If you are one of our students here at the church, you've gotten the opportunity to meet Moses most likely, occasionally. Uh, He will come to one of our youth events, and he likes to give lots of kisses and hugs and all the different things. Um, But we are also expecting a baby coming April. Um, so if you guys are not praying for us, we would uh, covet your prayers because that is coming up fast, uh sooner and sooner and faster and faster. Uh, it feels like each week my wife has a new house project for me, um, and we're just going to chalk it up at this point to that nesting phase uh, as we expect our baby coming up here in April. Uh, every time I say April, it makes me have a little mini heart attack because that's two months away, something like that. Um, so please, if you would, continue to pray for us. But this is my wife, Kylie. She'll be here uh, in the second service uh, this morning. Um, but this is our family. Um, we grew up right outside of Ann Arbor. Uh, any U of M fans in the building? Wow, we are really low this morning, but I do see a few hands. Uh, does that mean you guys are Ohio State fans? We'll just make that assumption. All right, uh, it's okay. We'll pray for you. Uh, but I grew up right outside of Ann Arbor, so again, I bleed maize and blue, uh, love University of Michigan sports, uh, we like to try to make it to uh, as many football games as we can every year, uh, but that's also where I met my wife, was a little town called Saline, right south of Ann Arbor. We went to high school together, uh, so we are high school sweethearts, and we've been together for about 11 years now, uh, and we got married three years ago. Uh, So that's where we're from. Uh, After high school, I spent um, some time at Cornerstone University getting my Bible degree. And then eventually, God led us to Oakwood. Um, This is a picture from our winter camp that we got back from about a month ago now. Um, But God has called me at this point in my life to be a youth pastor. uh, And I'm so thankful that Oakwood uh, gives me the opportunity, me and Kylie really, to live into that role. Uh, So thank you guys so much for that opportunity. Today, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit uh, about the book of James, Uh, but before we do that, I want to share with you guys an experience uh, for me growing up that I absolutely detested. Um, I hate tests. Does anybody else want to raise their hand and just say, yes, I also hate tests? I've never been a good test taker. I don't know what it is. I I can study. uh, I can spend hours and hours reading and going over textbooks and doing everything that I should do. But when it comes time for the test, I always seem to have some sort of issue. I've never been a great test taker. Uh, And when I was very young, one of the things that I struggle with the most is spelling. And hopefully none of my words in my PowerPoint today will be spelled incorrectly. But if you catch one, please let me know. And one of the worst things for someone who's young and not good at spelling is something that happens once or twice a year, and it's called the spelling bee. Oh boy, did I hate the spelling bee. What what the spelling bee is, if you're not aware, um, maybe you were homeschooled or maybe uh, you went to a private school and they outlawed uh, torture like this, Um, But what they would do is they would put the entire class basically up against a wall or up on a stage or somewhere public where everyone can see you, and then when it came time for your turn, uh, they would call on your name and they'd say, okay, Ben, spell pterodactyl. And then poor little Ben would be like, okay, pterodactyl, let's see, T, and they'd be like, nope, wrong. Dang it. All right, I was so close. Pterodactyl starts with a P, I think, so anyway. The spelling bee was the worst day out of the year because I hate tests and I also was never good at spelling. Uh, My poor mom did everything she could with me. She did flashcards with me. Uh, She got me this big sand table so that I could draw the letters in the sand. Uh, She would go through the words with me and draw them on my back. We did every single thing we could think of to help my spelling, to help me do well on spelling tests and spelling bees. But my friends, I'm sorry to report I'm still not good at spelling. So for me, spelling BD was the worst because it was a test, public humiliation, and spelling all tied into one thing, which are not my favorite things. And I think if we're not careful as Christians, uh, maybe you fall into the same camp that I do, whereas sometimes I can feel like my life with Jesus, my life with God, is one big test. We're all kind of going about our life here on earth. We're we're standing up in front of the class, and God is kind of sitting there waiting and thinking and judging and trying to decide, oh boy, did he spell that word correctly? Is he living his life the way he's supposed to? For me, and for many years, that's kind of how I lived my life. That's kind of the view that I had of who God was, is he was this this person who's just waiting for me to fail the life of, test that I'm inevitably going to struggle with because I struggle with tests. And I don't know if you guys also resonate with that feeling. If you also maybe in your past or maybe even today as you sit here in church are feeling like uh, this might be kind of something you resonate with. Maybe God feels like not necessarily a loving father but maybe more of someone who just wants to see if we can do all of the right things. Maybe God isn't um, the, the savior of humanity. Maybe he's kind of this judge who sits in the sky and tries to determine whether we pass or fail life. And hopefully as we read scripture this morning, we'll gain a new perspective on who God truly is and what that means for us as humans and as Christians. But I want us just to start in this place because I know that I've struggled with this a lot Especially growing up, especially when I was a young Christian. This was a perspective that I struggled with. So I want to start us here. I think um, for many of us, we we have all kinds of tests in life. You know, the the most obvious ones might be school, something like a spelling bee. Uh, But we have tests in our families. Husbands, how many times has your wife said, Nope, I don't want anything for Valentine's Day. I don't want anything for my birthday. Don't buy me any presents. For the record, that is a test, and you can either pass or fail it, depending on what you do after that. Wives, how many times have uh, your husband been sitting on the couch watching football, and he says, hey, um, would you go grab me something to drink, or would you go uh, maybe uh, rub my feet or give me a back massage? This is a test, right? Right? So we are familiar with tests in our life. I'm not going to tell you how you win that last test. It depends on whether you want to be nice or not. But I think we're familiar with what tests look like in our life. And if we're not careful, that same mindset can creep into our relationship with God. So we're going to be opening up first um, the book of James this morning. If you have a Bible with you, feel free to open it up. Uh, We're going to be reading in chapter 2 Um, But if not, it will be on the screen for us as well this morning. So, James chapter 2, it says this, starting in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm. And well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accept, aco- faith, by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, "You have faith, I have deeds." Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by deeds. You believe there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person, do you, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled what says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab considered righteous for what she had did? What she did when she gave lodging to the spies sent, uh, and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So for me, this is a very challenging part of Scripture. Because I think as Christians, we can all proclaim that our faith, our salvation, is in God alone and faith alone. So when we read this Scripture in James, it goes against much of what I was taught in Sunday school. And maybe it feels the same way for you. Uh, In Sunday school, oftentimes we're told something like, uh, Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, and all you have to do is say a prayer and let him in. Has anybody heard something like that in Sunday school? Uh, We also teach the ABCs, right? Accept, uh, believe, and um, confess, yes? ABCs of faith. And oftentimes when we are teaching our children, we try to boil down the truths of the Scripture down to its most simple form. But when we're not careful, uh, like in traditions where I grew up, oftentimes we can tell someone that, hey, all it takes to be saved is to say a prayer. All it takes to be saved is to is to say a prayer. And it's interesting because if we read something out of Paul's writing, like this in Ephesians, it says this, Ephesians 2, 8-9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So it makes us ask the question, okay, if Paul is saying that we're not saved uh, through our works, through our actions, and uh, James seems to be saying, well, you need works and actions, then who's correct? Because for me, when I was growing up, I grew up in a tradition where we emphasized very heavily that if you want to be saved, all you need to do is save say a prayer. And what I think happens is if we boil it down to simplicity, too simple. We can run into a ditch on the side of the road, and that ditch is a generation of people, much like I was when I was younger, where I would say a prayer every single Sunday hoping to be saved. Every time I'd go to winter camp, I would say that the prayer that the pastor would say from stage in hopes that that prayer might be the one that saved me. And then on the other side of the ditch, there is the people who in this life might list a bunch of deeds to get their salvation. So if we're thinking about this as a road and we want to stay on the road, on one side we have people who say a prayer and then go about their life and the only relationship they have with God is a prayer that they said once when they were five. And then if we go to the other side of the ditch, there's people who maybe go to church every Sunday, maybe they serve in food shelters, maybe uh, they work with the homeless, maybe they do all kinds of great deeds, but they've never really had a relationship with God. And ultimately, as we look at these two perspectives from Paul and James, we have the people who will sit in the stitch and they'll say, look at my faith. I said a prayer once. I believe that there's only one God. I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. Uh, Look at my faith. And then if we go over to the other side of the road, there are people that will sit in the ditch and they'll say, look at all my good deeds. Look at all of the great things that I've done in my life. I go to church every Sunday. I I do all the things that I think I'm supposed to. Uh, I serve in the church. I serve out of the church. Look at all my deeds. And unfortunately, neither of those perspectives can get us to heaven. If we just say a prayer once and that's the whole summation of what our faith is, we're going to f- come up short. And if we just rely on our good works, if we just rely on the things that we do in our daily life, and we just rely on how good we can be as Christians or as humans, we're going to come up short. Because the truth is, who's right, Paul or James? And the answer is both. Because they're both trying to say the same thing. Paul is saying, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul is very clearly saying in Ephesians that. Salvation is not something that you can earn with works. It's not something that you can come up with a list of your deeds and at some point go to God and say, Is this good enough for salvation? But at the same time, James is pointing out that many people say that they have faith, but in reality, they're no better than what a demon might believe. They say they might believe in God, but their actions and the way they live their life proves that their faith is not genuine. So my friends, I want us just to sit with this for a moment. As we think through this perspective, as we think through who's right, Paul or James, I want us to make sure that we're very clear. Christianity... is faith in Jesus. And the only way for us to get to heaven is for us to believe that Jesus Christ is who He said He was and accept the forgiveness um, that He gave to us through death on the cross. And for many people, we are taught going through Sunday school, going through church, that if I say a prayer one time and I believe those things, then that is enough. And unfortunately, that's where their relationship with God stops. We need to have both. We need to have a faith in God. We need to believe and confess the things that we're supposed to as Christians. But at the same time, if we do that and we do that authentically, there are going to be deeds in our life. The way that we live is going to look different after we come to meet Jesus. And in the same vein, those, there are many people in the world who, who go to church every Sunday. They, they do lots of good things and at at this point, they have a list of deeds because they've been long, alive for a really long time. But if all they have is deeds and no faith, then again, they're off the road. They're in a ditch. So, my friends, this is the perspective I want us to wrestle with this morning. I want you guys to ask yourselves the question Am I in either of these ditches? When I think about my relationship with God, do I focus on my deeds? When I think about uh, my relationship with Jesus, do I I chalk it up to the amount that I can serve? Do I chalk it up to the amount that I can pray? Do I I just make it about how much of my Bible that I read each week? When it comes to my faith with God, do I just solely believe that uh, it was just a prayer that I said one time and now I can live my life any way that I want to? Because I'm terrified for the church Not our church, but I'm terrified for the church, capital C, the global church. That we have too many people in one of these ditches. We have too many people that believe that someday when they get to heaven they're going to meet Jesus and he's going to say, hey, well done, good and faithful servant. But in reality, their faith was never truly genuine. And I believe on the other side of the road that we're going to have a list of people who went to church every single Sunday. They did all of the things that the Bible says that you're supposed to do as a good Christian, but they never truly had a relationship with Jesus. And I'm terrified for the church that we have too few people whose faith truly drives their deeds whose relationship with God truly informs how they live their life every single day. Now, it's tempting at this point to get your tomatoes out and your rotten fruit and your rotten apples and throw them at me and call me a heretic, um, because Pastor Ben is saying that um, a f- prayer not going to save me, And he's also saying uh, that doing all the things in the Bible that uh, God tells me to do isn't going to save me. And oftentimes, if we grew up in a church tradition like I did, uh, I would be looking at me very skeptically. And I would encourage you guys, as we turn to Scripture, as we read through James this morning, as we read through uh, the passage from Ephesians, we have to have genuine faith. We have to have genuine faith. Because both sides of these roads are not enough. Many people get caught up on either side. And if you're like me, you're hearing this and you're saying, okay, Ben, uh, I don't want to be in this ditch. I don't want to be in that ditch. How do I stay on the road? And for many of you, maybe like me, uh, I think, okay, so what these passages are expecting me to be is perfect, right? That's easy enough, right? Uh, My wife expects me to be perfect. My family expects me to be perfect. Now, God's expecting me to be perfect. Uh, He doesn't want me to rely too much on my deeds. He doesn't want me to to rely solely on a prayer that I said one time. He wants me to be perfect. But that's not what they're they're being told either. So, as we think about this this morning, we're not expected to be perfect. We're not expected uh, to ask the question, "How many deeds do I need?" We're not expected to ask the question, okay, well, if James says that I need to have deeds if my faith is actually genuine, then what is that number that gets me over the threshold? If I have five deeds, is that enough deeds? If I have ten deeds, is that uh, enough good deeds to get me to heaven? That's not the question that we should be asking. I think the question that we can ask ourselves to stay on the right part of the road is this How can I grow closer to Jesus? How can I grow closer to Jesus? Because that comes from a different motivation than how many deeds do I need to stay on the road? That comes from a different place than uh, how many prayers do I have to say uh, for salvation do I need to stay on the road? But if we shift our focus to away from those things and to how can I grow closer to Jesus, what we'll find is that our faith will be validated By our deeds, because we're actually pursuing Jesus. We're actually pursuing a life and a relationship with Jesus. So, as we ask this question how can I grow closer to Jesus this morning? I want to just ask you where are you at with your relationship with Jesus? Do you feel like you're close to him this morning? Do you feel like you're maybe far away from him this morning? Do you feel like maybe at some point you said a prayer, uh, but you're not really sure if that prayer was authentic? You're not really sure uh, if that meant what you hope it means? Or maybe you're coming at this question and you're saying, okay, well, I'm pretty close to God because I have a bunch of list of deeds. Oh, hold on, Stop. Are you genuinely pursuing a relationship with Jesus? That is the one question I want you guys to answer for yourselves this morning. James is a very challenging book for me because I grew up in a tradition where uh, if you said your prayer and you really meant it deep down in your heart, uh, then you could live your life any way you wanted. Um, you could do anything you wanted to do Monday through Saturday, but Sunday you should probably be at church and uh, you should probably uh, say your prayers when you eat your food. But other than that, you know that's, that's the summation of what Christianity is. And if that's all that Christianity is to us, if that's all that a relationship with Jesus is to us, then we've completely missed the mark. James is not calling us to be perfect humans because we won't be perfect on this side of heaven, but what he is asking us to do is ask this question, how can I draw closer to Jesus? How can I pursue him more deeply? So this morning, I don't know what that looks like for you. Um, There are people who have been uh, in church for a thousand years. You know who you are. And drawing closer to Jesus this morning might just be spending time with him in silence later today. Sitting down for five minutes, sitting down uh, for ten minutes and just spending time with him. Some of us are really new to the church. Maybe uh, we've never really read through our Bible. And drawing closer to Jesus this morning might look like an hour of Bible study later this week. Uh, maybe some of us uh, have uh, served uh, a lot over the last year, whether it's in church or out of church. Maybe we've, we've just focused on service, and maybe drawing closer to God in this time might be stopping to actually refresh your relationship with him. I don't know where you're at this morning. So as, uh, uh, as we get ready to dismiss in the next uh, 10 minutes or so, I just want you guys to start to ask those questions in your mind. Where am I? Because I think if we're honest, at some point over the last year, we've relied too heavily on our deeds or we've relied too heavily on a faith that has no deeds. Especially for a pastor, the temptation is to uh, look back at the past year and just come up with a list of things that we've done. I know that some of you might have the same personality. It's a very dangerous game to play. So my friends, how can you grow closer to Jesus today? Uh, Just lastly, as um, we close this morning, I want to share with you my story, uh, my testimony of faith, because I think it illustrates the point of what we're trying to get to this morning. Uh, I shared with you guys that uh, me and my wife met in high school, um, and at that point I would have considered myself a Christian. I would have considered uh, myself as a Christian because my understanding of Christianity was that at some point, uh, all you had to do was say a prayer and then if you said that prayer genuinely, uh, then ultimately you could live your life the rest of the way, however you wanted to. And what happened was I was in a small group at the time. Uh, One of the small group leaders said, hey Ben, if you drink a gallon, or no, if you read this book over spring break, I'll give you a gallon of chocolate milk. So, uh, encouragement to our parents and our leaders in the room, Uh, if you want to hang out with a high schooler and get them to read their Bible or read a book about Christianity, uh, it can be as simple as just giving them a gallon of chocolate milk. It can be just as simple uh, as taking them out to go camping. It can be as simple as just inviting them to go to a movie with you. But for me, it was a leader who said, Hey, Ben, if you read this book over uh, Christmas break, we will, or actually it was spring break, I'll buy you a gallon of chocolate milk. So for me, I'm like, okay, I'm all in. Uh, I love chocolate milk. At the time, I was in uh, high school, so I was playing football. I was like, okay, I'm lifting weights. I need the chocolate milk to get swole. Um, so that was, that was right up my alley. So my um, small group leader at the time challenged me to read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And in that book, what Lewis does is essentially lays out for us what a Christian life should look like. And for me, when I, when I compared my life to what Lewis was teaching on, it was clear that those two things didn't line up. I proclaimed with my mouth that I was a Christian, that I believed in Jesus, but when I actually looked at my deeds in my life, they didn't align with what a true Christian life should look like. So for me, that brought me to a place of repentance It brought me to a place where I needed to turn to God and say, hey God, uh, I've messed up. Uh, For a really long time now, I've considered myself a Christian, but I've never truly given my life to you. I've never truly decided that each day I'm going to continue to give my life to you. And that's where this book took me, to a place where I needed to recognize that and then repent and give that to God. Soon after that, uh, I felt God calling me uh, to a place where maybe I was supposed to go into ministry. Uh, So immediately I jumped into an internship. Uh, I got accepted to Cornerstone University in Grand Rapids. And at that point, I had gone from one ditch dangerously close to another ditch. Because instead of uh, having this genuine faith that was driving my deeds, it became very tempting for me to say, okay, uh, I'm going to follow God now. I I need to uh, get my life right. I realize that all of these things in my life aren't matching up with what a Christian life should look like. uh, So I'm going to start to do all these lists of things to try to become a better Christian. And by the grace of God, he's steered me into a place now uh, over the last five, six years where I am hopefully uh, more into the middle of the road. Where the deeds that I do are driven, hopefully, by a genuine faith. And when James is talking about these people who either claim only, hey, I have faith, or only I have deeds, I can resonate with that so well because I've lived both of those experiences in my life. So again, I ask you the question, how can you grow closer to God this morning? Paul makes it clear that only God can save us. It's a free gift from God that we can accept at any point. And James makes it clear that once we accept that gift of salvation, once we actually have that faith in our life, our life is going to look different. And if we want to be in the center of the road, I would encourage you guys to ask yourselves this question over and over and over again this week. How can I grow closer to Jesus? How can I grow closer to Jesus? Stay out of the deeds ditch. Stay out of the faith alone by one prayer that I said when I was five ditch. And seek authentic faith. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. They're going to close for us. Uh, Again, thank you for bearing with me. I know it's cold in here. Uh, I know that our furnace isn't working. Um, But I just want to encourage you guys this week. Don't think of your life as one big uh, spelling bee. Don't think of your life as just... um, God sitting there uh, up in heaven thinking, okay, Ben, you better have your list of deeds down. Uh, You better get it all right. You better uh, always accomplish everything you're supposed to as a pastor and as a Christian. Avoid that ditch this morning, my friends. And at the same time, avoid um, the other ditch where at one point in your life maybe you said a prayer and now you feel like you can just live your life any way you want to. Because if we have a true faith, the book of James makes it very clear that our life is going to look different now. And I think if we ask the question, how can we grow closer to Jesus today, it's a good guide for us to stay in the middle of the road. Let's pray together and then we'll continue in worship. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here. We're um, challenged by James as he tries to make it clear that a Christian life is a changed life that a a true faith is one that's lived out. And Father, I know for me, I spent too many years in a place where I thought that a prayer alone could save me. I thought that uh, just my good deeds were enough to get me into heaven, but Father, you are the only path. Your Son, Jesus, is the only path. And unless we pursue that fully, we're going to end up in one of these ditches. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. And as we sing graves into gardens, help us to be reminded of what our true faith is, what our true rock is. Father, we love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.